Hello and welcome to episode 65 of the Page One Podcast. I'm Marco. I'm Tarek. And it is a, a brand new season, as we say. Season 7. Yeah. I don't know what the what the qualifications are to make it a season and when we start and stop. But, but <laughs> we, we call the exactly, shots the season. But we're calling this season 7. So um, if this is your first podcast, thanks very much for joining us. Um, at the Page One Podcast, we like to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing process, how they got into the industry and try and get as many hints and tips from them as possible. And we've got lots of great guests lined up for you this season. Uh, some indeed. big names, some debut authors. Uh, we like to mix it up. And then uh, authors, screenwriters, video game writers. We're, we're trying to get as many kinds of writer on the podcast as possible. So do check out the back catalogue as well because there's a lot of uh, names there that you'll probably recognise and, and want to hear from. Um, but we do have a debut author to kick off this season. We do indeed. The debut episode for for a, a debut author, her name is Margot Derue, and her first book is The Lost Diary of Venice. It's a romance novel set uh, dual timelines between mm. Renaissance Day Italy and present-day America, and it's uh, about a, a struggling uh, artist who, who finds... Uh, hidden hidden secret in the library. Yeah, uh, this, this, this diary, which in fact, as we chat to Margot, she tells us that it was actually her discovery of a treatise on art from that period, uh, set from Venice, that, that inspired her to write this book. So um, it's really interesting. She comes from, her family is, uh, I think both her parents were artists and stuff, so she comes from that background and uh, has brought a lot of that into the book. Um, it's also very timely that we're releasing this episode now because uh, today, as we record this, the day before the release of the podcast, is the 1,600th birthday of Venice. Oh, I did not know that, Marco. You kept that quiet. <laughs> yeah. It's a party. Exactly. Well, sadly, in Venice, there can't be a party because they're under lockdown, I think. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a it's a big day for, for oh, that's uh, very exciting. my favourite city. So, yeah. And of course, Marco does have familiar links to I the do. Yeah. great city of Venice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mentioned that uh, when we're chatting with Marco as well. So it's it's a really interesting chat to hear you know, how she's brought that background and also just about her journey into into publishing and how she found her agent and things like that. So we'll get on with the podcast and then we'll be back at the end of the podcast with a bit more chat and to let you know about next week's guest as well. And But for now, on with the podcast. The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is, write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. 
As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying, or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made Page One. Page One is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story, so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. I saw that you grew up in a family of painters, so you've obviously come from a sort of creative background, but did you always want to be a writer? Was that always your goal? So I was thinking about this this question, and I did grow up in a really creative, in, in really creative household. I think there was maybe the assumption that if I did something creative, it'd be painting. Um, it it I don't know why, but it didn't really occur to me that being a writer was an you know it seemed like a fantasy that mm-hmm. happened to other people and not you know not for yourself. Like oh, other people get their books published, and you know. <laughs> It didn't really seem attainable, um, and and I and I also think that when you grow up in a certain kind of household, part of you rebels a little bit. And mm-hmm. so, growing up in a really creative household, I rebelled by you know getting a really stable job, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> going into like business. And, um, World's worst know. rebel, and that's you're doing. <laughs> were so disappointed <laughs> um, no but kind of sort of I think they were I think there was part of them that was like oh I wish you'd just be a little more you know creative um and and then this thing happened where you know it it became more challenging to not not express myself not write not do something really creative than than to stay in that fe- in that in that lane um, I listened to the podcast Big Magic. It's not it's not on anymore. Elizabeth Gilbert, the writer Elizabeth Gilbert, did it a couple years ago, and she had Brene Brown on, and she said everyone's creative, and when you're you, unused creativity is not benign, right? Like if if you're not accessing it and it's calling out, it's not that's not a benign thing. Mm-hmm. It can yeah. it can feel painful and I think I just sort of reached that point um but if you're you know you do have listeners who I think are aspiring writers or Mm -hmm. wanting to break into this and so I really want to encourage them and say I have zero creative writing background zero I don't I not even a short story right um and no MFA Mm -hmm. and this is something I did in the mornings because I just felt called to do it and so if 
there's someone out there with a story who, you know, is feeling insecure and feeling like, oh, I don't have the credentials. I don't have, you know, this can't be for me. Yes, it absolutely can. Keep going. Keep doing it. And um, and also, it's also okay to 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 fail. It's okay for it not to work out. Mm-hmm. I think the really important thing is is to um, be doing it for the experience of it and and the experience of expressing your own creativity. So, yeah, it's a very long answer. No, no, but it's a very good point to make as well. I mean, what what was it that made you? Obviously, you had this feeling you you needed to do it, but you know, what was it that actually? Uh, made you think, right? I'm going to start writing this story because presumably was it was it what became the Lost Eye of Venice was that, was that the the story that you you first started writing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it um, I was in grad school. I studied rhetoric, um, which was you know, I, I joke that all I wanted to do was just like wear a black turtleneck and drink wine and talk about theory. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I came across the actual treatise that's in the book. Um, the the book is a you know dual timeline, and in the historical timeline, it follows an artist who's going blind, who wrote a treatise on art, um, and that's an actual person, and that's an actual treatise. And I I uncovered it, and it was fascinating. It was one of those documents that that feel kind of magical, and. I was like, oh my gosh, am I gonna is there a spell involved in this yeah. <laughs> or something? It has like these really mystical, you know, drawings and um and it just took hold and I I it, it wouldn't leave me alone the idea that this guy wanted to be in a story of some of, mm-hmm. of some sort. And then the more I did research around the time period, the elements of the plot really fell into place. It was really um has helped out so much by the actual history and the actual events that occurred and so um it 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 did feel like it had a life of its own and it did feel like it wanted to be shared and i had the sensation that i you know just needed to do the best i could with the limited tools that i had Mm -hmm. you know like i was in service to the story um and so I was trying to, you know, research how to write, you know, how, how do you, how do I not mess this up? How do I, how do I not let this story down? And so um, that's, that's kind of how it came to be. Um, and and, and w- with a story like, it, as you say, it's sort of got this dual timeline thing of, of the present time and um, is it 16th century? Uh, 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 Venice. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and it's got also in, in especially in that um, older uh, timeline, you've got uh, you know there's more than one plot going on. There's there's the there's yeah. the sort of Ottoman war story as well. Um, how do you, how did you manage to pull all those threads together and make it work? You know, did you sit down and are you someone that had to plan it out carefully, or you know how, how did that happen? Um. So I was, I really enjoyed listening to your back episodes of your podcast. And, you know, I hear all the writers kind of saying, like, are they planners or panthers? Which I didn't know those terms. Um, And so I think I would probably definitely fall in the planning, in the planning realm. But 
I would fall into that because of my own self-doubt, right? Like I felt like, okay, I need to really understand how all these things fit together. Um, and so initially I did try to plan it out. Um, and again, though, I was really helped by the historical pieces naturally falling into place. Um, but for me, having a structure um, allowed it, it, there's that saying, like, if you have boundaries, you can kind of be more creative within them. Mm -hmm. And that's how it felt to me is if I, if I had these, these guardrails of, okay, these is, this is the time period and this is what needs to happen on this, on this date and, and in this month. And then I can be really creative within that framework. Um, so that's what worked for me. Um, and then again, if there are, you know, folks listening who are, are writing, I found the story grid really helpful. I was, I mean, I, I would recommend, you know, read as much as you can about the craft of writing and, mm -hmm. um, and listen to podcasts like this and, you know, and, um, that's the best piece of advice. Yes. <laughs> 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 to this podcast. <laughs> Subscribe and tell your friends. Exactly. Um, but I mean, I, I, I personally have been loving listening to the podcast because, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm very much still in the student seat. Um, but the story grid is, is, um, a resource. I have no affiliation with it. I just found it helpful and it's, um, all about how to structure, mm -hmm. uh, a novel. Um, because I, and again, this goes back to that idea that, you know, if you, you can break the rules after you know them. Uh, and yeah. mm -hmm. I feel like I really needed to, you know, get something really solid and get something that, that, um, you know, quote unquote worked before I tried to do anything experimental in any, in any capacity. So, yeah. And when you're writing a story like, like this, which is, you know, set in kind of in the past with real people and real, real things that happened, how much truth do you have to include? You know, how much, what's the balance between, being so close to the truth that you kind of you lose the fun of it all. That's a that's something I'm still kind of struggling with because I'm I'm working on another piece that is also historical, and for me, it's a feeling of wanting to honor those actual people. They really existed. They they really had opinions and feelings and lives, hmm. and you know, for me, this the way that I can strike the balance is. is trying to to feel would they be really upset if i did this to them <laughs> like, you know or would they be okay like and i yeah that's an impossible thing to answer but it's it's what's top of mind for me when i'm writing is does this am i still trying am i still capturing this person's goal and for giovanni in this book you know his goal was to really share his theories on art and so i i felt okay giving him a little bit more of a colorful life because the character is still very focused on, on his theories and on, on leaving something behind in the world. Um, but that's, that's, that's a really tricky balance. I don't know if there's ever a perfect answer. To I mean, it's, it's interesting just as a, as a thing, because, you know, with, with history that far back, you maybe have more scope to to 
tell your own story about it and weave in and out of actual events and stuff because because there's been the recent I don't know if if, it, if it's reached America but certainly over here there's been some um, controversy about uh, the Crown on Netflix and you know what it portrays and people thinking is it true is it not true and how it's portrayed Princess mm-hmm. Diana and all this sort of stuff and. You know, even the government's getting involved in saying there should be something at the start saying... There's nothing else really happening at the moment over here. No, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's the important topic of the day, clearly. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm watching, but I'm not caught up. Right, okay. well, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it, but, but, but um, I'm just saying that, you know, do you think when you're writing historical fiction, the further back it is, the more you do have that scope to tell your own story as opposed to the closer you come in time to the present time, especially, you know, in the case of the Crown, there's still people that are alive. <laughs> so so there's libel laws and stuff as well potentially involved there. But, you know, when you're going back that far back, is it is it easier to almost say, right, I'm going to cherry pick these things and put them together into a story? Does that does make sense? Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you have more distance. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, you know, like you say, no one's going to, no one's going to get upset at you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's there's also the challenge though because you're looking at it from your perspective and and projecting your values onto a completely different time period, um, and so it is it is easier. I think um, for me, I, I think I found what was most interesting was seeing how many things hadn't changed mm-hmm. um, and the, the same struggles, you know, you have the um, struggles between religion. You have you yeah. know, this, this book um, brings up the first ghetto, uh, um, yeah. which was in Venice and, you know, um, the, the Jewish population had to wear stars in Venice. And mm-hmm. this is, years and years and years before the Holocaust and extreme uh, anti-Semitism. And then, you know, as I was writing this, we were in the U S having, you know, attacks on synagogues. And so there's there from a creative standpoint, yes, there is so much distance that things feel flexible. Things feel definitely much more flexible. um, And, 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 uh, you you do feel more free to to maybe rearrange and um, at the same time you're kind of blown away by by the themes that yeah that just keep ha- coming up yeah it's true yeah uh-huh. and uh, Venice is an interesting one as well simply because uh, did you go to Venice to to research the novel at all? Um, oh man, I wish yeah. <laughs> I, I had I had <laughs> Venice before. Um, I have some friends that moved uh, to a city right outside Venice, and I uh, they were very nice and let me stay on their couch a couple of times when I was in my you know searching twenties um, and then being a little bit of a vagabond, um, and I loved it. Um, but when I was writing this, I was in a stressful job, and mm. you know. I didn't know, like, is this going to work? You know, I should have just quit everything. And, like, mm-hmm. and looking back, I should have quit everything and moved to Venice. You know, but you're, but you, you, you know, you just don't know. And so, I mean, what, what I was going to say about Venice was, it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, I'm biased because 
my mum's family is from there, so I love the city. <laughs> but um, it, it's it's a very unique place in the sense that it's not difficult to imagine what life was like. You know, it's changed so little. Uh, mm. Apart from if you take out all the tourists and stuff in the tourist <laughs> yeah. shops, but but you know that you can imagine what what life was like. You can see where these politicians met. You can go through the Doge's Palace. You can, you know, it, it's it, it's very easy to put yourself in those shoes. I think. Yeah, and I I think so. I grew up in Alaska, where you know n- there's nothing too old there. It'll. Mm rot out <laughs> so the, you know, the climate is so extreme and there's just not a lot of people and so i i remember the first time i um traveled to europe and realized oh my gosh these are the actual buildings that these people were yeah. in uh-huh. these are actual hallways and it's i you know it, it it was it made such an impression on me um and Venice in particular, I think, has, there's just something magical about that place. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, it, it's, it was such a hub of creativity and artistry. And there's, I think that seeped into the buildings It's and the city, you know, there's, there's that, you still feel mm-hmm. that aliveness, even though, yeah, it's overrun by tourists now and, <laughs> Um, but yeah, you can still imagine when you're walking down the narrow little streets at night and stuff, um, you could be transported back uh, very easily. I mean, there are other cities, you know, Edinburgh actually is, is, is parts of Edinburgh are like that as well, you know, but, but um, it is, it is a lot of it's like a film set almost, you know, it, oh, it's, it takes you there. Yeah, it invites, it invites, you know, and that's probably why there's quite a few novels yeah. set in, but it just like invites the imagination. It's really such a special place. I mean, you're when you're writing a book like that, which which does have these dual parts. Um, how do you work out what, you know, how much do you put in each part? How do you know how much time to spend in the past and the present mm-hmm. and balance of that? And is that something you just kind of do? You, and, and do you write one side completely and then do the other, or do you jump between the two voices as you go, type thing? So for me, I wanted to have kind of to feel pretty equally balanced so I knew you know I'm going to alternate chapter versus chapter mm-hmm. um and then I I did do I did write it all the way through so switching in a way that was nice for me as a writer because it kind of gave me breathing room mm-hmm. from the other narrative yeah. um but then when I was editing it I would go th- you know, one section at a time to make sure there's really continuity between yeah. each narrative. Um, and I got really good advice from, uh, I, I participated in a little writer's workshop, which I really recommend for writers too. You know, I just went to a free writer's workshop in my community that had whoever came in that day was who was mm-hmm. coming in that day. I'll kind of shared little bits of what we'd written. Um, and the, the man, um, leading the group gave me really good advice saying you your historical piece has to influence and affect and change somehow the modern like there has to be interplay between the two what happens in the historical has to alter the direction of the modern i had i hadn't created the uh enough interconnectivity and so if there's somebody out there who's working on a piece like that that's would be one of you know, my big piece of advice is really make sure that there's 
influence that that um, it matters to the modern piece that the historical piece is present there. And um, does your book have your book is set in Nebraska, right? Yeah, but um, and I don't know why I did sit in Nebraska. I think it was I wanted a kind of small town America type feel to it. Oh, and, yeah. um, uh, and and it does have it does go back and forth between two different points of view as well. And I I kind of like you when I wrote it, I kind of went back and forth. But um, and I think that you're a good point about wanting a break from from what you're writing. It's quite nice to have that jumping around as you're doing it. But then as you go back to edit it, it is easier just keeping to the one side. I think. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's tricky, kind of a little bit of both, column yeah. A and column. <laughs> yeah, and and I suppose it's it's interesting that from what you say when you started off, you said you kind of wanted that equal equal balance from from the get go. So was that so did that influence what the story was, or or how much, or or, or did it naturally fall into that into the way you wanted, it? or did you have to cut things or or add things in to make it more equal? Um, I initially had my chapters way too long. I, um, uh, they were just, they were just very sizable chapters. And I gave the piece to a friend who is an editor and who does not like historical fiction or romance. I, I not to say doesn't like them, but that's not yeah. their, uh, you know, what they normally would gravitate towards, which I think is really good. I think it's really good to, to share your draft with someone who is, maybe not necessarily your target audience um, because they can give, they can give really, um, they have a good perspective, I think. Um, And, and her advice was you got to cut these chapters, you know, make them shorter. um, You, you, and, and make sure that there's something at the end that is going to provoke the reader to like, Oh, Oh, I need to, yeah. I, I need to keep reading to figure out what, what happens next, you know. For me, I'm definitely not somebody who's doing art for art's sake. It's really important to me that the book is satisfying to yeah. a reader. Um, when I was, you know, in my job and I was having a hard time just, you know, you're in something that maybe isn't your passion and the days can start feeling a little bit like a slog. And I would get on the the... Um, the subway system here and books helped me get to work. Like they, like I would escape into a book and that was honestly what helped me get through the days sometimes. And so my whole goal has been, can I make something that can do that for somebody else that can give them that escape that they really need um, and, and really help them get through the day. That's my ultimate goal. And so um I was really focused on, on, you know, trying to make it as compelling as possible and, you know, structurally um, as, as satisfying as I could mm-hmm. make it. And it turned out, you know, and, and so creating those sense of anticipation um, and making it not, not too big of a chunk of, of chapter to get through at a time. And uh, you were writing this, as you said, I, I, I think, were you working in marketing at the time you were writing this? Yeah, I was a strategist, which uh, I, was, I was dealing, I was in, in tech here and, and I was working with, um, you know, Silicon Valley companies. And so it was a lot of data. So I did a bunch of stuff on the data side and um, very, very analytical um, 
very kind of cold, I would say. Mm. Um, and man, I just, I, my soul was calling out for <laughs> the humanities, <laughs> you know, and I mean, it's, I'm really grateful for that experience. I still do some, some consulting for tech companies. Um, it, it makes me feel plugged into what's actually happening in the world in terms of, of technology and, you know, where we're heading. Um, and it, I like having, having that kind of finger on the pulse of, of that, but um, it, it wasn't feeding my soul. Um, but, but how did you, you know, because it is, it is a situation that lots of people are in, including us, um, you know, how did you manage to fit the writing in around, around that day job as well? Um, so I was, I was waking up at five, you know, and writing before work and you know again kind of looping back to that idea of it was more painful to mm. not do it yeah. um and so i just felt like i you know i have to do this i, I have to at least try mm. yeah. and so I, I had just reached that litmus point and so i was gonna do anything it took to see if it would work because if it didn't work and i needed to do something else i needed to know you know yeah. <laughs> like, like, I have to, you know, something has to change. So I, for me personally, I'd reach, I don't recommend other people wait until they reach that point. (laughs) (laughs) And then once you'd, um, once you'd written the book and you'd done your 5am starts and edited it and stuff, what was your next step then in terms of actually trying to get to the publication of the book? What what was your, what was your path? Um, Well, I fortunately had a spouse who, who kind of was like enough already (laughs) (laughs) you have to like you have to put it out there and just see because without without that I probably would have just kept tinkering and you know forever um although you know it's interesting I I went through this with my father and his paintings you know he'd always talk to me about when the painting was done and mm-hmm. that if you do, if you keep working on it, you can actually make it, you know, it can hurt the painting yeah, yeah. And, and you can overwork it. Um, so, but I think I probably would have gone down that path. Um, and so I did have someone kind of push me and say, listen, it's, it's, it's in enough of a format where you can get a sense. You can put it out there and get a sense. Is this going to work? Is it not going to work? Um, and so, I, you know, I know that you've had a lot of writers on here say, okay, publisher's marketplace and, you know, get publisher's marketplace and, um, uh, either query tracker, I think is also a really good one. Mm -hmm. Um, I spent a lot of time on the query letter, a lot of time on the query letter and thank God for the internet because you can find really good examples of your query letter online. Um, and there's a bunch of services that do critiques for query letters. Um, and so, take advantage of all of that um but i can't stress enough that i think you know it's it's you've completed the book you're so relieved you did it and then you you have to face the challenge of spending all this time on a query letter and it's you know it's like the last thing you probably want to do as a writer is like obsess over this one page but you just you know i did so many versions of the query letter and so I, I recommend really investing in that. And then... Um, Did the you send out I, different different versions to different agents? Or, you know, how... Yeah, yeah. So 
And I ended up getting the first agent I reached out to, but I didn't know that. Like it it took a while, took a while to hear back. And so I had queried a few others in the interim and kind of tweaked the the Mm. letter and, you know, I was really trying to, you know, okay, maybe this will work. And, and also, you know, really doing due diligence on what is this person really interested in? What can I compare it to that's in their, you know, in their portfolio? Um, And, I really recommend manuscript wish list on Twitter, that hashtag. Okay. Um, Cause I, that's how I found my agent. I went through it's, it's hashtag. Um, oh, I don't want to mess it. I'm, I'm assuming MSWL, but double check that. Okay. Double check yeah. that. Um, but it's, it's the hashtag for manuscript wish list. Um, and she had written, Hey, I'm looking for something like this and this. And those were, two pieces that were comparable. I I felt they were comparable Mm -hmm. to what I'd written. And so it gave me that immediate in. I could send in the query, hey, I just saw on Twitter that you're looking for something similar to these pieces. I think I've got that for you. And it's that hashtag is so nice because you can, it's it's of the moment too. You Mm -hmm. can know, oh, this person is right now looking for some, you know. Mm -hmm. So really helpful. Um, And I'm new to Twitter, um, but, and it's, really hard not to doom scroll (laughs) yes also if if you can have any kind of like self-control with twitter it is a really good repository for like Mm -hmm. tips you can look up you know what folks have folks share a lot of information on there but it's hard not to get lost in just political chaos landmines but yeah i'm hoping it'll be quieter next year oh my gosh Um, and, and what was it like trying to launch a book in in this year? Because I think there was I can't remember how many it was, but there was a day in September when so many books launched on the same day because they've been pushed back and back and the launches. And it seems like a totally hectic time. You got that as well as the fact that a lot of stores are shut, etc. So what what was it like launching a book during all that? Was it? Oh, I'm so sure we, it was quite hard. Yeah. So we decided not to push because of that reason, um, because it would just get you know, a debut novel, you're just going to get totally lost. Yeah. So we kept the, the summer you know, summer launch, but the summer was like, you know, social chaos in the United (laughs) States. It was the pandemic plus the protests. Right. And plus just, you know, these, you had so much happening. And so I, it was, it was a moment where I honestly felt like, you know what, this is just how how the chips fell. And there's, I didn't feel even comfortable trying to promote the book during all of that because mm-hmm. it felt like there were these issues that were, you know, of such urgency and such importance. Um, I felt, um, you know, it it, it 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 felt too tone deaf in a way to say, Hey, I just made a wrote a book, you know, like yeah. I know that you're working with like, <laughs> you know, uh, systemic in- inequality, but look at this book. I made. <laughs> so uh, it, it was a really challenging. Um, and, and that's, and, and that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's okay. And, in a way, I was grateful that it was my first book because I didn't have anything to compare it to. I couldn't say yeah. like, oh, I used to be able to do all these events and, mm-hmm. you know, have this glamorous launches and stuff. And now I'm, 
you, you know, I have nothing to compare it to. So I don't, I don't know what I'm missing out on. So, <laughs> you know, um, but you know, the paperbacks coming out soon, and um, the paperbacks are already out in the UK and it's yep, coming yep. out in the US. And um, so I'm hoping, you know, that I can. I think I'll feel a lot more comfortable promoting it now. Um, and uh, so nothing's, you know, nothing's ever perfect. Uh, I'm, I'm just grateful that I was able to write a book. You know, I'm really grateful that it, I was able to have this experience. Yeah. And, and, and I had an editor who taught me so much and um, the ability to like work on something that I felt so passionate about and to feel creatively alive and, ex- you know, creatively expressing myself and for me i've already you know that's 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 it for me that's so much joy and so um i didn't i didn't really it would it'd be nice to have a normal publication but it wasn't what i was in it for you know yeah and um, when you got your your you got your agent and then did it take long to find a publisher or was that quite a quick process? It was, it was pretty quick. Um, uh, I think I'm in a, a historical fiction slash romance kind of equal, equal parts. Um, and I'm a hopeless romantic. So that's just like, you know, what I'm drawn to. And fortunately that's a, you know, that's a, a fairly um, marketable genre. And mm. I think my agent maybe already had a relationship with the editor and knew this might be a good fit for this person. Um, And so I'm really, really grateful for that, you know, that she was able to have those relationships and and know where the right home would be. And man, I feel like I lucked out because my editor in terms of, of, you know, being such a mentor, you know, she's been a phenomenal mentor. And in terms of that, did you, you know, was it an easy process? It sounds like it was, given given the relationship, but was it an easy process to go back and forth with the editor? Presumably she came back with some, some notes or edits to suggest and things like that, but that was a good experience from your point of view. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. And, but for me, I, you know, I really think that um, the creative work has its own essence it's it's not an extension of me or my ego it's yeah, you know okay. it is its own mm-hmm. creature it's, it's its own being that wants to to be shared with the world and come out with, into, into the world and so um it, it was always around what will make this better what will make this closer to what it wants to be mm-hmm. how do we get closer you know you get closer and closer to the thing that it wants to to be um and so i think that's a good i would recommend that mentality because it it really allows you to kind of um say these are great edits or you know and if you push back you're you're not pushing back because you're personally so attached to that, mm-hmm. you know, paragraph or mm-hmm. that character. You're yeah. pushing back because you feel like they really need to be there for a certain reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose anything that gets cut out of it in that process, it's not like it's gone. You know, you've you've still got it. You could use it in another book. That there, there could be a spark or something that that goes elsewhere. So it's not. 
it's not gone for, gone for good. So it is on a quite healthy attitude to take to, I think. Yeah, I've definitely, you know, I've definitely heard of writers saying, you know, they, they maybe like cut a character that didn't fit, but that they love that character so much. And then, you know, that sparked the next project. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's always, and it's this idea of like listening, of listening to the work and, and, you know, paying attention who, you know, what, what really has that spark in it and, and where is it going to lead you? It's yeah. it's such you know it's 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 this joyful adventure, right? Creativity. Yeah, it's no, this... I think that's that's when you know it's working is when the story is you're sort of taken along by the story rather than you taking the story along, almost sort of a thing. Perfect. That's that's exactly you know you're putting it perfectly. It's yeah. And for your for your you said you're working on another historical. Uh, work just now um is that is that something you know because this one came about because you had discovered this treatise um previously is this something that you'd also uncovered earlier or is it something that you've actually gone looking for and found separately um so this is a, good, a really interesting question um and i think um you know the other thing i've heard writers say is that there's this process of self-discovery in in the writing like you learn about yourself I don't know if you if you if you feel that too but as you're writing you kind of you're learning about yourself you can't you can't totally not be in your pages and in your work um for for better or worse (laughs) and and so what I learned in this process was that it, it felt like a coming home to write about art because I grew up in that artistic household, it's mm-hmm. so embedded in who I am and, and having, you know, this link between creative writing and, and art um, just felt really, really right. And that was a, just, you know, a totally unexpected discovery for me. And so this next book is similar. It's, um, it's, it's dealing with, and, and, TBD. We'll see if my editor likes it. We'll see if it works <laughs> out. You know, you know, like fingers and toes are still crossed. Um, but I, I, it, I did, um, you know, have that realization that I just wow, I really love writing about art and artists and and creating these stories around these artistic movements and time periods. Mm-hmm. And I love research. I love, you know, I love it. Um, and it's fascinating to me to to try to go back and recreate a historical time period. And I, you know, selfishly, it's like I learned. I personally learned so much, yeah. and it's so yeah. fun. Um, when when you're well, doing research like that, is it difficult? You know, because you're trying to build. Uh, you know, you're trying to build a world almost uh, for the reader to go back to, and you're you're building that with the research that you've got. But is it difficult to know? how much of that research to actually put on the page and how much to sort of just hint at with, with the general story. It's some like the tiniest fraction ends up on the page, mm-hmm. you know, and, but you have, but you have to do all of it yeah. to, yeah. to be able to place yourself there, you know? Um, and so there is either, yeah, I think you have to have sort of like a, 
a Buddhist Zen <laughs> detachment <laughs> you do historical yeah. fiction because all those hours of research, you know, and then like this tiny little sliver ends up on the page and you just have to like, it's just this process of letting go and letting go and yeah. letting go. Um, and, but I think anyone who writes historical fiction has to, there has to be some part of that person that loves the nerding out. And yeah. for me, yeah, for me, the research was my comfort zone. I didn't have the creative writing background. I had a lot of insecurity around there, but the research, you know, I felt very confident and I was like, okay, I know how to do this. There's right and wrong. You know, something is a fact or it's not a fact and I can, you know, track that down. And so that there's, there's a certainty to the research that made it a little bit of a comfort zone. Um, I remember reading the, um, the Cicero books by Robert Harris and, they're set in ancient um, Rome and obviously they're excellent books and they're very exciting, blah, blah. But part of the enjoyment for it is the, is what you learn from it. You kind of, you're learning about ancient Rome and all the backstabbing and it's all real people and you don't, it's almost like sneakily learning it. Like it's not like reading yeah. a textbook. Uh-huh. It's just, yeah. it's, it's a really nice way to learn about, I, I mean, I'm assuming it's all completely accurate as well. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's always, I think like a, like a well done, and it is, you're totally right, like a yes, tiny sliver ends up on the page compared to what actually was done. But I think if, if it is done well, yeah, part of the joy of, of reading those books is learning about the time period, et cetera, which is something I probably wouldn't have read about otherwise, you know, if it wasn't in that kind of kind of fiction genre almost. The sugar, the sugar on the medicine. <laughs> yeah, and it's exactly right. what it is, exactly. And I think I think that's the, what's so powerful about historical fiction. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm just in love with um, that genre, but... Um, it does force you to, to think, okay, what, A, you know, what historically has happened that is still exerting influence? You know, that book is talking about structures that still exert an influence mm-hmm. in the way our society is ordered, right? Yeah. The way that we think even. Um, and so it, ha- it has such power to really peel back the 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 mechanisms underneath our current life and what we might take for granted or think has always been yeah. you can sort of a see its genesis or see actually it hasn't always been that way and yeah. and maybe there are other ways of thinking about the world or relating to people so. yeah absolutely it's, it's always amazing i think in those books the ancient Rome book when you, you kind of realize as you say, how much really hasn't changed or how, or how advanced they were in some ways in terms of legal system, et cetera. And then at the same time, they're throwing their bodies of their enemies over the wall and then going for dinner. And so it's this crazy mashup. And some of it, is, some half of it seems so removed from modern life. The other half seems just as advanced in terms of legal thinking. Et so it's, it's, it's a really fascinating genre to write in, I think. Oh, yeah. And... I mean, I, I love writing in it, and I, I love reading. So, love and, reading and, it. and has it been easier writing your second book as a second book, or, or you know, with having more time to write it and and going back at it again? You or or is it harder to try and recapture that kind of chaotic magic? I'm so I had a baby in the interim. So the first time that I was writing, I was writing, you know, five a.m. with this you know stressful job, and I was just trying to get you know little snatches of time and 
then I had a baby. <laughs> I'm still trying just to get it down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, like, like I thought I was supposed to have all this, like, you know, luxurious expanse of writerly, uh, you know, <laughs> allowance. Um, and so, so I had to kind of take a break. And this is my first baby and, um, you know, pandemic child. And so, you know, we're not doing childcare. We didn't really feel comfortable with that. Um, currently in our, in our particular situation, everyone is navigating it differently. Um, and so I totally honor everyone's, everyone's journey. Um, but for us, we had the ability for me to stay home. And so I did. Um, and I, didn't find the time I you know I, I really struggled to find the time especially when she was really little she hasn't been a great sleeper mm-hmm. um and like so I I think right now I'm again reaching that point of painfulness like I haven't you know I, I have been pushing to find time and I do feel like right now is this point of it's painful to not be working she's sleeping better I can I can find more time now and the idea that was in my head I've just this week had a little you know another flash of insight around Mm -hmm. it I'm feeling really excited about it so right now it does feel like a lot of those elements are coming back together for me so I have Mm -hmm. excitement around it Mm -hmm. um and I your episode with um oh let me, Peng Shepherd, is yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, right. Am I saying, I, I feel like I'm always butchering people's names. Um, <laughs> I hope that's how you say it. That's, that, that's how we say it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I loved that episode you did um, because, you know, they're talking about the, the need for that breathing room and how that is important. And as much as you wish you could just nose to the grindstone, yeah. you know, you know, get it out, you know, that having those breaks actually is really important to the whole process. Um, and I found that too. I've, you know, having this kind of forced break um, has, has really um, refueled. Yeah. You're letting that feeling build up again where you then have to go and do it, I suppose. Um, whereas I think if you forced yourself to do it, it would become like that job that you mm-hmm start to dislike because it's something that you're having to do every single day all the time and it it becomes harder in its in its own way that way I think maybe oh it's such a balance it's so it's so tough because then you have all these writers saying you know no you need to show up every day yeah no it's true I know (laughs) and you, you know so it's like I think it is kind of um I think it is just, yeah, a little bit of a mix of the two. I mean, I, I think, I definitely think that's true, that there is a there is a habit thing to it to make you write, especially if you've not been doing it for a while, to then start of get back into it again. But I do agree with what you're saying and what Peng said, which was that having these breaks is good for your for your creativity, you know, just to let things sit and even if you don't think you're thinking about them, they sort of work their way through your head until yeah. you're suddenly like, oh, yeah, okay, now I know where that's going kind of a thing. Yeah, we were chatting to someone in season one who said, I can't remember who it was now, he said very similar, to, and, and he said basically sometimes you need to be on the sofa eating crisps or whatever, and it looks like you're not doing anything, but it, you're, you are working on stuff, and it will it will pop out, but it's, 
yeah, it's, it's a balance. It's hard, and everyone's different, and you can't have a one rule fits all. But you know, although although Twitter would let you believe this, <laughs> yeah, simple, there's, all, there's always a right, right and wrong <laughs> yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like going to sleep, you know, going to sleep with a problem, yeah, and then mm-hmm. waking up and being like, oh, oh, oh I didn't even yeah. think of that, you know. And I would always. The you're just so, so stressed about it all. Yeah. I'd always just go to sleep with my you know textbook underneath my pillow when I was cramming for tests. <laughs> you know, like read everything right before bed. You know, and yeah. you, it, it's it, it, you know, the subconscious is always working. It's always working. So, yeah. and then plus, as a writer, you get that really good excuse, you know, of zoning out and just say, "Actually, I'm working." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. All processing. This is really Do my best important. thinking in the pub. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something on Twitter will tell me what's right next. After see how the crown ends. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so you're 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 working on on that is is obviously what is next in the pipeline. Is it is it something that you've is that a book that you've got a deal for already, or is it something you're just going to take no. to your editor? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to see if she likes it. I I I told her the idea. She likes mm-hmm. the idea. And so it's just, you know, can I, is what I write, does she feel, I, and, and a lot of it, you know, it's a business, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to, it, it's it's so tough. Like, I am always interested in this relationship between art and patrons, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like art, artists throughout history have always relied on patrons and, you know, and you kind of, you have to think, will this satisfy people? Will this, yeah. you know, and then. It's, it's that's that's that the tensions between that are really fascinating to me um and so for her it's going to be you know will this be something that you know the folks that like this first book are they going to like you know will they like this idea will they will they be excited to pick it up and then mm-hmm. start to know what they can expect from you as a writer mm-hmm. um at the same time i know that there's a lot of writers who have totally switched genres and done really different things um and so it's possible. Um, it's possible, but from speaking to people, it seems to be a lot more difficult to do that. Um, certainly, you're because of that. You know, it's easy, it's an easier sell for your agent and your publisher to say, you know, you like this book, so buy this book, kind of thing, than if you mm-hmm. completely switch things up. <laughs> what is the last film that you saw? I, I fortunately have listened to the podcast, so I knew. <laughs> and I was You've like, watched oh some hybrid films now to make sure you answer <laughs> yeah. for this question. I, it was more just like, when is the last time I was able to sit and watch a movie? <laughs> yeah. um, so, but I realized I did watch The Happiest Season, which you know, was released on on Hulu, I think. Um, and it's it's adorable. It's just a, it's a holiday movie, a coming home for the holidays, and the main characters trying to come out to her family um but you know it has all of the kind of holiday season tropes and yep. shenanigans and it was really pretty warm and fuzzy and i nice. I'm, I'm a sucker for that so i, really I, I do it. think that when it comes to christmas movies i definitely give films a lot more leeway you know yeah. if they're mm-hmm. on the cusp of being a bit crappy whatever if they're kind of got good cheer and christmas spirit then that goes a long way i think to be fair yeah, yeah. But I mean, this was actually really, really, I think it was really smartly done. Um, 
And what was the last book you read? Okay, so the last, okay, well, I already know that there are strong opinions about paper versus ebook. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. It's very, very important. (laughs) I'm adding something else to the mix, which is audiobook. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, okay. Yep. I have my time. I mean, I'm just like, where is my time going? Um, And, and there's endless dishes, endless laundry, but I can listen to a book while I do it. So as a new mom, I'm, uh, you know, championing the audiobook. And um, so the one I just listened to was The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Which oh, yeah. Is, uh-huh. You know, a big yep. bestseller. Um, and that was really fun. And I have to say, you know, obviously the author deserves a ton of credit, but the narrator had to do all of these accents, had a main character who lost her accent gradually over the course of the book. <laughs> so I am just like, kudos. I feel like I need to find her name really quick. Um, it does make a massive know. difference in audiobooks, like the yeah. narrator to your enjoyment of the book. It can be, there are some that are just brilliant and then some that are pretty dull and you, you lose yeah. interest in the book. Julia Wellen, Wellen, Wellen. Excellent. Awesome. I, we have, I feel like I just need to say her name out loud, which I know is a theme in the book. <laughs> so I have to say her name out loud because um, that was, you know, I feel like that's kind of a little bit of a unsung role. No, it is um, definitely, but it, it does make a big difference, as we say. And it, what, what was the last TV series that you watched or are watching? Um, well, I am catching up on the crown. Right. Um, nice. So uh, that's been our theme throughout this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm also a huge fan of the Great British Bake Off. So, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> you know, that the season just came out, the latest season just came out here in the US. So um, I'm a huge sucker for that. Uh, the Paul Hollywood handshake. So. Um, <laughs> Is that, have they had the episode where they make cakes out of is it like celebrity cakes or something? <laughs> I think that's in this season, the newest season. That's a good it's one. Like, oh yes, 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 yes. And they're always like, and they're always doing you know really intense chocolate work on like the hottest day. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. I had no idea it'd be so hot. And like, it is this hot every season of you <laughs> what you're doing. So. I get very invested. I get so invested in like, you know, who's, you know, who's um, doing well and who who I think is going to win. So we have a fun time with that. It's also, you know, with a kid around, I am, I'm limited. I don't want a lot of uh violence or anything. So that's a really safe one, but. Excellent. I have to, I, I still have to watch all my thriller. I have so much to catch up on. So I have a huge list. Yep. Yeah, so the uh, the very last thing we do, as you'll know, is a quick fire, either or, and there's no right or wrong answers apart from one. So the okay. first one is uh, Girl with a Pearl Earring or The Clock Baker's Daughter? Oh, I have to say Girl with a Pearl Earring just because of, you know, where I was when I wrote, read it and, you know, I have such a personal attachment to that book. It brings back a time in my life. So. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Uh, TV or cinema? Cinema. I 
Um, one but, day. Yeah. <laughs> one day, yeah, one day we'll be able to go back to them. Um, fancy restaurant or a takeaway? Fancy restaurant, you get to dress up, you get to put some perfume on, you get the anticipation, you know, the whole, <laughs> the whole drive to the restaurant, you get to think about what you're going to eat, yep. appetizers, yep. you get the appetizers. <laughs> I'm making my case here. So. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, I'm sold. I'm, that's fine. <laughs> fancy restaurant, especially if someone else is paying. Then, uh, really yeah, like I fancy restaurant. <laughs> I Order anything you like. Yeah. <laughs> Order hey. champagne. Um, and here it is: a real book or ebook? There's no right answer to this one. <laughs> I know that ebook is 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 that bigger. sounds like a cop out to me. <laughs> okay, well here's the here it's it's hard because the paper the paper you get the 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 feeling all of the tactile sensations mm. you cannot there's you there's no replacement for that ebook. You don't have to be shamed by looking at your huge pile of to be read. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> you can just buy them and have them waiting for you, and and not and not have to look at them on the shelf, uh, mocking you for not. Getting to- <laughs> so. Yeah, I find myself like buying books on the Kindle that. Uh, then months later, I'm like, "Oh, I forgot! I forgot I actually <laughs> bought that. It's it's sitting there in the library." Yeah. But it's very easy to build up a very big library. Yeah, you completely lose track of it very quickly. Yeah. 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 and that's why it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a really good episode and a really interesting way of getting into the industry that whole hashtag twitter you know jumping in there it's it's something that i've never it's good to chat to someone who's made success of it because you see them quite a lot on twitter and i've always wondered you know do a lot of people find success in that it's nice to find someone who has yeah no that's right and yeah we'll we'll put a link to uh, that hashtag on twitter mswl i think it is um just so if if you are trying to find an agent it, it's a quick way of doing it and it's a good idea because it, it's yeah. agents literally saying this is what i'm looking for just now so if you've written a story like that then it's the pair you know you're probably going to jump yeah exactly. straight to the top of the pile exactly. and i also really enjoyed when uh, she was uh, saying about uh, having to work in a book with a timeline set both in the past and the present and you know revising one whole part of the book first and then going back and doing the other to, to do you jump back and forth between the two and it's it's interesting because folk, I think, who are writing books with the two separate storylines, that, that's what I've always wondered about. Do you focus on one whole plot line and then do the other, or do you jump back and forth? And yeah, it's, it's separate. I mean, I think I thought she made good points on both. You know, when you're writing it, it's good to sort of jump between the two because it kind of refreshes you and and gives you um, impetus and not get bored with the, the the timeline that you're in but at the same yeah. time when you're revising it it makes absolute sense to revise the same timeline because you can yeah. it'll be easier to spot any inconsistencies at yeah that you point. can keep that voice keep yeah. continuous you can exactly you can see if there's anything you've missed out and uh and yeah and i think as you're reading it it's always nice to have that kind of story because you do as you say even as you're writing it as you're reading it as well it's not boring you're jumping back and forth there's yeah. always new stuff happening yeah, yeah very cool so thanks very much to uh, Margot for coming on to the podcast and, and taking the time to speak to us. We really appreciated that. And The Lost Diary of Venice is out now. Um, we've put a link to uh, bookshop.org uh, in the podcast description. So do uh, grab that if it takes your fancy. 
And we've got another great guest next week. Next week, we're chatting with Annalie Newitz, who is a really fantastic author, writer, journalist, editor. They've done a kind of whole mix of stuff, um, popular science and wired, but perhaps in the journalist front, most well known for IO9. Yeah, founding a, editor. Founding editor, yeah. Really fun blog, um, which kind of combined popular science and science fiction stories. Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still going on today. I think it's now part of the Gizmodo network. I think that's I think. right, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, it, 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 was, it was sort of, it came about at the perfect time, didn't it? Because um, it, it came about at the time that these superhero movies and Big Bang Theory and, you know, all that sort of... Yeah. Nerd, nerd culture nerd culture was suddenly taken over and it, it was the perfect place to find it along with your more um serious science articles yeah, as well yeah it, exactly and it was it was a really nice mixture of the two i think and it's a really great chat we have with annalee um they've written novels and their latest book is a, a non-fiction book um so we hear about the differences in writing fiction and non-fiction and bringing that sort of more journalistic approach to to the non-fiction work so um, yeah, really great episode. So please do uh, come back for that one next week. Um, if you did enjoy this episode, uh, if you were able to take two seconds to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you're on, uh, and also click that subscribe button or follow or whatever it says, that, that would be great because it really helps us climb up the rankings and continue to get great guests on the podcast. And as always, if you would like to get in touch, you can do so by sending us an email to uh podcast at rightgear.co.uk or sending us a tweet in the Twitter machine in the Twitter machine? In the Twitter machine <laughs> to at right underscore gear Right, I'm off to celebrate uh, Venice's 1,600th <laughs> birthday <laughs> on my own in style. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm off just to go and watch some TV Okay, well, uh, have a great week and we'll see you next episode See you later <laughs>